Welcome to Entrepreneur Conundrum with Virginia Purnell, where growing entrepreneurs share how they get visible online. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm talking with Eric Melcher about how he helps brands increase their customer journey. Eric Melcher is a Texas expat living in Romania, but before he traded in his boots for the calm European lifestyle, he was the founder of a one-of-a-kind kids fitness nonprofit called Fly Movement. It was the first program that provided kids an opportunity to reach a fitness goal using friendly competition and fitness trackers. He was an adjunct professor at UHD. He was a finalist for the Houston Tomorrow Catalyst Award and a digital marketing director for publicly traded companies, Sonova and Spark Energy. Now he's building a media company, Innovators Can Laugh, where he interviews European startup founders in a fun and casual way while he serves as a personalization ambassador for hot e-commerce startup, Optimunk. Optimunk is a personalization platform that allows brands to create unique and remarkable customer journeys in real time for their website visitors. Welcome, Eric. Thank you so much, Virginia. I have to say that was just a very kind introduction. So thank you so much. You are welcome. It's fun to have you on today. So it sounds like you were in the oil and gas industry for a little bit. Is that correct? Energy industry uh, back in the States for about 10 years. Yeah, back in Texas. Yeah. And then you decided to carry on your journey in other ways. So can you kind of share your journey with us on where you are today? Yeah, so I left Texas. I'm in Bucharest, Romania. We moved here a couple of years ago. My wife is Romanian. And a few years ago, we had been talking about coming back here so she could be uh, with her family because she had been in the States for about 10 years. And we also had two little kids and they never got to see her side of the family. So we thought maybe maybe as an experiment, uh, they can get to know her side of the family. And so when COVID happened, we just had our second child. And she was three months old. And so my wife would return to work and we're trying to, because the daycares were closed once COVID happened, we were trying to juggle managing a three-year-old, a newborn, and then our work. And so it, it was very complicated in the first few weeks uh, trying to juggle all those things because as you can imagine, you can't really work when you've got a newborn to, to take care of. And so we have been talking about moving to Bucharest and we're like, you know what, maybe now's a good time. If we're working remote, your parents are retired and they could help out with the kids. And they were ecstatic once we uh, told them about the idea. They were like, yes, please come on over. And so within a few months, I think in three months, we we made the, the journey. We released our house out. We sold our cars. Uh, we sold a lot of stuff and um, we were here pretty quickly. And, and so that's where we are now. That's fun. Were you ever were you ever like nervous to make like that huge leap? I wasn't because back um, back when I was younger and my in the very beginning of my professional career, I worked for an airline called Continental Airlines, and I used to travel all over the place. Virginia, I would go to the airport on a Friday afternoon with some friends, look at the look at the TV screen, and just figure out where do we want to go. And we would look and just try to get on the plane if there was open seats. So I had no idea where I was going. Sometimes I would end up in Central America. Sometimes I would end up in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And it was just I just became like more adventurous. I visited places all over the globe. I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. Anyway, 
I ended up moving to New York City, and then I ended up doing a year in Bucharest about 14 years ago, and that's where I met my wife and then convinced her to move to Houston. I lied to her. I told her that it was this beautiful cosmopolitan city and that it was uh, you know, kind of European. I even bought this scooter for her. And uh, anyway, it worked. She ended up moving over and, uh, you know, a few years later, we got married and, and had two kids. <laughs> she wasn't too mad about that lie. <laughs> no, no, she wasn't. We had it. We had a good time. It was it was good. Yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> Fun. What do you say you kind of focus on more right now? Or is it kind of like hand in hand with the OptiMonk mm-hmm. and your podcast? Yeah. So with OptiMonk, it's sort of my dream job. I, I'm doing everything that I'm good at in terms of my creativity, my talent, my skill. I mean, it was a role that I only got the role because the founder was a guest on my podcast. So as you mentioned, I interviewed European startup founders. We had great connection, good rapport. And after the interview, we just kept in touch. He kept seeing my content on LinkedIn. And when he found out that I was looking for a new role, immediately, uh, you know, he asked if we could just just speak. And he gave me his vision for OptiMonk. Uh, his roadmap for the next three years, five years, and how his goal is to really sort of turn it into like the notion for personalization, giving giving you know entrepreneurs and brands the building blocks that they can design their own personalization blocks. And so I was very impressed with that. And so we sort of um, figured out, okay, what can my role look like? And so I do have a number of different things. I host different workshops where I teach other brands how they can implement personalization. I'm launching a podcast for OptiMonk around personalization. I go on podcasts for OptiMonk. And then we we just launched what we call e-commerce revolution. And it's the first reality show, uh, business-like reality show for e-commerce brands. And we partnered with a lot of different uh, conversion rate optimization specialists, a lot of other e-commerce services and providers out there and email platforms out there as well. I'm sort of leading that initiative in terms of the partnerships and, and working with the uh, with these brands and then also the e-commerce companies that are applying. So there's just been, I have to say, it's sort of my dream job because it really, really, uh, I get to utilize all my imagination, my creativity. But how I got that was my other passion project, which is my podcast, which is the media company I'm creating. So I actually do both. Uh, Optimunk, I'm sort of full-time. and um, I, you know, I just kind of schedule my, my 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 time in different blocks. I only do recording for my podcast, like on Wednesdays and Thursdays between a certain amount of time. I'll usually work on that uh, maybe Friday mornings as well. I've got a virtual assistant who helps out with the distribution and setting up, you know, scheduling the newsletter. I've got a video editor who actually edits the podcast because that's the most time consuming part for me. And so on the weekends, if I have to, I'll work on that um, as well. So. Like I said, I divide my time in blocks and and uh, just make the most out of it because with two kids, uh, time is very val- valuable for me. So I try to uh, work as much as I can, usually in the mornings before they get up and then while they're at school as well. I'm like, what time do your kids get up? <laughs> you know, it, it varies, but they're usually up between 6.45 a.m. and 7.15. So they're usually up by that time. I'm accustomed to getting up usually by 5 a.m., it's just a habit and it served me well. And so I usually either get a workout in or if I want to catch up on work, I'll, I'll do some deep work between like 5 and 6.30 a.m. That's a nice time for your kids to get up. I'm like, 
I have kids that are about the same age as your kids. And yeah, they're still getting up at like 5.30 or earlier. And so like some of it is so they can see dad before he goes off to work. But at the same time, like they're still getting up really early. And so I'm like, even at four, I can't really guarantee that I get like, like me time. But anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so hard. I think we had our last sleep regression about six months ago and my daughter was waking up like three or four times during the night and calling us. And uh, she was born with clubfoot and clubfoot because she sleeps with these braces on her feet, she can't get out of the bed by herself. And so we're always, you know, going over there every time. But yeah, that was four or five months ago, I think was when the last regression she had. So she's almost three and a half now. And and we've been getting, you know, a good seven, eight hours consistently throughout the night. And I, I feel for you and any other parent <laughs> who's still going through that, because I know I know what it's like. <laughs> so how do you get in front of your ideal avatars? Yeah, well, in, in two ways. I mean, first, um, if it's related to uh, Innovators Collab, the media company I'm trying to build, it all started with connections on LinkedIn. And over time, as I've gone to grow my network, most of the people I've connected with are startup founders. And so when they come on as a guest, I'll actually ask them one of the questions on the sign-up form is, is there anybody else that you would recommend as a guest? And so I usually make connections that way. Another way is I'll actually reach out to VC firms and uh, let them know that I'm going to be interviewing startup founders in this country where they're based and if they have any recommendations as well. And then the other way, too, is I ask my guests, you know, I provide a swipe file for them. So if they promote the show um, on LinkedIn, I usually see who is engaging with the promotion and check out their profiles. And a lot of many times, a lot of those profiles are other startup founders that have liked it or engaged with it. And I can engage with them that way. So that's how I've been able to grow my relationships and connections with Innovators Collab because it is very niche. I mean, it's European startup founders. With OptiMonk, we've been able to get in front, and this is this is pretty recently, but a lot of it is with podcasting. And so I'll actually go out and pitch other e-commerce related or business related podcasts that have something to do with, with maybe leads or how to improve conversions. Um, I'll actually look up other guests that I know talk about a similar subject and find out what podcasts they have been on. I use a tool called Listen Notes. And so I do a lot of research that way. And it's great because it not only provides the name of the podcast, I can use different filters and just select podcasts that have been active and have, have released a, an episode like within, within the last 30 days. Because as you know, a lot of podcasts, they don't even make it to episode number 10. They just die. And so I want to be on a podcast that is, uh, is consistent and they're always you know, releasing new episodes. Uh, And the other great thing about that platform is that 99% of the time it will provide an email address for the host of that podcast. So I think it's a great little tool um, that I use to actually reach out and connect with podcasts. The other thing that I do to capitalize on the podcast interviews is if I go on a podcast, I'll actually look and look at the other episodes that have been released and look at the guest. And if that guest is somebody in my industry. In this case for OptiMonk, if they're around uh, the e-commerce related industry or customer loyalty or customer value optimization, then I'll just reach out to that person and send a connection request on LinkedIn 
and say something like, hey, you know, I noticed you were on Virginia's podcast. I was a guest too. We'll love to connect. And that connection acceptance rate is pretty high because we have something in common. And mm -hmm. so once I have that connection accepted, then I'll actually start looking if they post often, if they use LinkedIn, I'll actually start following some of their content and start to engage with them that way and just start building a relationship through, you know, either commenting, you know, making a thoughtful comment on their posts. Hopefully they're seeing my posts too, knowing what I'm all about. And so um, if they don't, if they're not very active on LinkedIn, then I may, I may or may not, you know, try to connect through email, but most of the time I'll try to just keep it on LinkedIn and try to build that relationship that way. Uh, so capitalizing on, on podcast guests um, that have been on the same podcast. And, and as I get to go on more and more podcasts, there's just volumes of people that I've been connecting with or can connect with that way as well. Yeah, it just keeps that ripple effect going, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's fun. What are a couple big goals that you have that you're hoping to achieve the next year or two? Yeah. So for OptiMike, we've launched e-commerce revolution. It's the first business reality show. Our big goal there is that we really grow the brand, the brand's awareness in the public domain considerably. So right now we're probably getting about 10,000 organic visitors a week. Uh, we're hoping by the end of the year that that at least doubles. And a large part of that would be uh, due to the e-commerce revolution reality show. We're going to be producing a lot of different content, a lot of video content, recording the calls that we have with e-commerce brands and some of our partners that are participating. So that's a big goal. And the other one too is with the new website personalization bootcamp that I'm hosting every two weeks. Uh, I, a personal goal for me is to at least have, I think, 500 attendees, not just registrants, but actual attendees who show up to the bootcamp by the end of the year. And so we just started doing that. I think yesterday we had a bit of a hiccup. We had, I think, 65 registrants. And then we realized that the Zoom meeting required a meeting ID, but it didn't go out. That meeting ID didn't go out in the email. And so <laughs> like two minutes to start time, we realized, hey, nobody's here yet. And we looked at the email. We're like, oh, crap. And so we had to we had to like send out a quick email. And uh, luckily, you know, people were still, you know, interested and they logged in a few minutes late, but we still had like 19 people log in. And then after the boot camp, we had like four people that really said, hey, this was a great, you know, great workshop. Really appreciate it. Can you send us the recording? And they also signed up for another boot camp that my colleague gives that actually shows you how to implement personalization tactics inside the platform. So it was a very successful. Uh, I think I'm doing a better job of that. Um, so we've done about three of those so far, but that's another big goal is to get 500 attendees by the end of the year. So how would that affect your business? Yeah, well, there's four main, there's, a, there's over 40 different personalization strategies and tactics that you can actually implement. And I really cover four, four key ones. The first one is how to improve the return on investment for your, your paid media campaigns, particularly Google and Facebook. Uh, the second one is how do you decrease uh, card abandonments, decrease card abandonments. The third one is how do you grow your email subscribers with personalization? And then the fourth one is how can personalization help you improve your AOV and then also upselling initiatives? And so I go through that workshop and show best uh, practices that some of the brands are doing to, to, to solve one of those key things. And uh, there's different there's different tactics. So, for example, uh, 
if you wanted to improve the ROI on your Facebook campaign, one of the things that you can do is have the headline of your landing page match the value proposition and the copy of your ads. Now, we all know this. This is nothing new. But with dynamic content, you're able to just create one landing page and have the headline change based on whatever the ad is through UTM tagging. And this can be done within the platform. But another example is if I wanted to you know, increase your average order value, uh, one of the things I show people is how you can actually have the same offer presented consistently throughout your website. Um, it could be on your homepage, your product page, another key page. And that's something that's kind of hard to do. A lot of companies have reached out to us and said, you know, we had to do custom coding every time that we want to show a specific offer and, and make sure it either does or does not appear on certain key pages. But within the platform, you can have offers appear on all your pages or certain pages and have that changed and updated automatically, uh, again, through dynamic content. So that's something else that we show people how to do as well. Which would save so much time for the for everyone, right? Absolutely, it's all about saving time, especially if you're uh, if you're a marketing geek like me who doesn't really know how to code. I don't even know how to, I don't I don't know HTML, Virginia, and uh, be, <laughs> and because because it's a simple platform, it's like a drag and drop interface. Uh, it's really simple to use. It's really designed for marketers, so uh, it does save a lot of time. Absolutely. What do you think is your number one roadblock? that's stopping you from hitting any of those goals? Well, I think the number one roadblock in terms of the e-commerce revolution is, is just whether or not we can create engaging content. Now, we'll record all the meetings. The meetings are going to be 30 minutes, maybe 60 minutes with the clients that we're going to bring on. And we also have partners that are doing uh, conversion. They're going to be actually giving their guidance, other people that are really good with customer value optimization as well. And so we do, we've never done this before. So we just need to figure out how can we clip or pull out the really good content that's going to be appealing for a mass market that we can distribute and, uh, and, and share and, and just tell like an engaging story. And so I'm going to be interviewing. We had over 200 applicants apply for e-commerce revolution. And we narrowed it down to about 25 applicants that we feel have a lot of um, a lot of potential, and we just think they would be a good fit. And so I'm going to be doing, I guess you would say, interviews with them over the next couple of weeks to kind of figure out, okay, how serious are they, and would they make? I don't know. Is it somebody that we would want to work with, and our partners would want to work with as well? So we're kind of learning as we go, but I think the roadblock there is is are we going to be able to create the kind of content that we want from this effort? In terms of the boot camp, I, I, I think the roadblock there is, well, we're, we're tackling that right now. And it's, it's mostly just improving our conversion rate on our landing page for registrants for people to sign up. And so I think we were at around, initially at around 20%. And then we, we noticed that our site speed for that landing page, it was pretty slow. So we've been tinkering with that. We just made a big update to the copy. We had a lot of feedback. Um, so we're, we're testing a new version of the landing page. But if we can get that registration rate closer to 50%, that's going to be a big improvement. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It'd be really cool, too, if you could find a way of utilizing those other people that applied for the show, like those other, those, what, 100 and, or, yeah, 175 
people because mm-hmm. you only chose 25, right? Like, it'd be really cool if you could find a way to utilize those applicants at all in a different way. We are. We actually created um, sort of like a free mini program that we're going to offer some of them. And so I think we have like three different tiers, the qualified applicants that I'll be reaching out to, and then another tier of hey, there's a lot of potential here. We do want to offer some sort of free mini service. Um, so we're, we're going to let them know about that. And then, of course, there's the other tier where we're going to let them know about our free product that we have. Um, and if they want to schedule a call with us, you know, we'd be more than happy to to jump on board with that. But but yeah, I mean, how do we capitalize on that? You know, we're going to ask them to follow the show. You know, we've got them on on an email list where we're going to be talking about the show as well and providing updates as well. But yeah, I think there's a lot of potential there. Some of the brands that I really like are brands that I've actually heard on podcasts before. They've got a large following on social media. And so I would really love to have those brands on on the show because there is the possibility that they could mention us and talk about us as well too. That would be nice, hey? Yeah, there's the A. There's the Canadian A. I haven't heard that in a while. (laughs) So you've got a lot of different things going on in your world. How do you juggle everything and keep that balance? I've always enjoyed working hard. And for me, it's not necessarily working hard you know, working in the evenings, working early mornings, working on the weekends, if I like what I'm doing, kind of feels like play uh, for the most sense. But I've always had some sort of side project or side business going on in addition to my full-time role. Even though I may enjoy what I do for work, I've always looked for other avenues that provide me fulfillment. Fulfillment in the sense that, okay, I can't do this at my job, but if I create some sort of side project or something, it's mine. It's complete ownership, whether it's trying to start a business or whether it's trying to create a media company like I'm doing now. And there's no one there that, that, that can tell me that you can't do this. I mean, it's really it's just it's just really up to me to decide, you know, what rules do I want to break? You know, what roads do I want to go down that's never been ventured on upon before? And so I've always done that for the longest time. And I think anybody should do that because there's a lot of benefits and it, the main benefit for me is that it gives me multiple identities and in the sense that in the States, I mean, you could get let go of your job anytime, anytime. It's happened to me before I walked in thinking that, oh, it's annual bonus time. And instead, they laid off almost 30 percent of the, of the staff, including myself and the majority of my team. And I had no idea that was coming. Right. But you know what? I didn't feel that bad because at the time I was actually running an exciting nonprofit. It was a kids fitness program. I was in multiple schools. I was dealing with principals and teachers and volunteers. And and I didn't have time to be depressed. You know, of course, I was a little bit upset and I was a little bit down, but I still had another responsibility to do and serve those those kids and those schools that I was committed to. And so I've always looked for other projects that I, I had a sense of ownership and responsibility. So that way, if something is not going well in one aspect of my life, there's something else that I can focus on. And I'm pretty lucky because I've got two young kids and I try to focus on being a good dad. And I'm trying to teach my son right now how to how to play tennis. He's only five, but we, we probably you know do at least every day, 15 minute different drills inside inside the apartment. 
I try to focus on just being a good friend as well. And then of course, give, doing everything I can for Optimunk as well as my, my, uh, my media company, Innovators Can Lab. I like what you said. It was like, you don't, in essence, don't let the thing you do be the only thing that defines who you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because even though you work at a place and maybe you enjoy it, the sad reality is, is that when you pass away, is that going to be on your tombstone? You know, that I was a consultant at McKinsey, that I was like, you know, a top rated salesperson at an insurance company, or that I was this great marketer at this company. No, it's not. It's not. I mean, at the end of the day, sure, you may really love your work. I love what I do. I really like the people that I work with. It's right now the position that I am is is my dream job, but I don't think it's going to be written on my tombstone. It just it just isn't. Like my husband, he's a Red Seal welder, but he's basically he's like, I don't identify as a welder. He's like, I identify as a dad. Like that's his who he is, right? Exactly. Exactly. Fun. So what's the best advice that you have ever received? I would have to say it was in the form of a quote. Um, there was this quote that I read, and I tend to refer back to it um, whenever I find myself contemplating a decision that I have to make. And the quote is simply, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. And so whenever I feel like, ooh, I'm a little bit scared to go down that path or try that, that quote will will pop up in my head and and I'll smile because I know what I know I know what decision I should take after thinking about it. Do you ever feel like so what how do you know the difference between whether you should go down that path but you're just a little let's say nervous too versus it's not a good path? I usually ask myself, okay, let's say 5 years down the road, will I look back and regret not doing this thing? And if the answer is yes, then that then for me, that's the decision right there. It's just, am I gonna have regret? Of not doing this or doing this? Yeah. Of course there's gonna be failures. I've had so many failures when it comes to like launching different ventures or decisions, but you learn from those, right? But the thing is I have no regrets. Which is huge. <laughs> Yeah, I'm never going to look back and say, oh, I wish I would have tried that, you know, or I wish I would have done it that way or something like that. I mean, I don't think, um, you know, people thought we were crazy when we were said we were moving to Romania. I mean, I had friends that said, you know, what is that, some theme park in Italy or something like that, you know, and it was a little crazy. But so far, the past two years have been a really great transition. We've optimized our lifestyle. We live within walking distance to my kid's school. I never got to walk to school as a kid. And I spend that quality time walking my kids to school. There's a beautiful park one block away that we go to almost every day. It's got trees that my son can climb. There's like two different playgrounds. There's like a mini soccer court and walking distance. There's cafes and all kinds of restaurants. And so get to meet friends, go out to dinner. I rarely drive except on the weekends. And so we really optimize our lifestyle. And it's so different than living in Texas. And had we not done this, you know, we wouldn't have realized just how, you know, how fun our everyday, our everyday tasks could be by, by, you know, by, by moving here. We've enjoyed it. And I think my life has, has changed in the sense of, you know, a few years ago, if you had asked me, what is happiness? And I think I would have had a different answer a few years ago. But now I, I tend to think of 
you know, happiness is, is just like peace with myself. Like every day is, is like an enjoyable day. And I'm not really, you know, trying to hustle as much as I used to years ago. And a lot of it has to do with the lifestyle that we created for ourselves. For sure. And I think it's fun how I'm going to say your community is a lot closer, like, right? Like everything is, like you said, like within walking distance, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And the hustle, the hustle and bustle atmosphere wouldn't be there either. It's not. In Houston, my wife and I would have to wake up by 6 a.m. I was already up, but my wife is not a morning person. But she would have to wake up by 6 a.m. and dress, put her makeup on, get the kids ready, drop them off the daycare, go to work so she could be in the office by 8.30. Now, she hardly gets out of bed before 7.30. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I'm the one that's up early with the kids. <laughs> you get all those fun moments. <laughs> if you want to call it that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more of like an order taker. My little, my little girl wakes up and the first thing she says, daddy, I want orange juice and cereal. She like gives me her breakfast order every morning. It's like the first thing out of her mouth every morning. It's not daddy. I love you or good morning. <laughs> it's just, you know, this is what I want to eat right now. Sounds familiar. <laughs> then they get upset if it's something else (laughs) they do god what the heck i mean when i was a kid i was lucky if i had anything to eat right but here every day is something different and they get a little disappointed if it's not you know exactly like the strawberries they imagine or something crazy (laughs) don't show them those white strawberries (laughs) they might ask for them all the time (laughs) (laughs) so What's the best advice you've ever given? Best advice I've ever given? You know, it has to do with my quote. I think I used to give out a lot of different books and my family would always like cringe because during the holidays or Christmas, my sister and my brother, they'd be like, oh no, it comes like another book and another book. And I realized that, you know, if a person is not ready to like change, then they're never going to change. Even if you give them a book that really had a big impact on your life, they're probably not even going to read it. They're just not ready for it. And so, you know, the best advice, at least the advice that I'm giving now is to try and to try and just really have good friendships. Um, You know, there's a study that Harvard did that really stuck with me and they analyzed the lives of, you know, I think dozens of men over several different years. And at the end of it, no matter, no matter their socioeconomic status their position, whatever their occupation was, or if they had kids or didn't have kids, the thing that really made them happy at the end of it, at the end of all of it, was the quality of their friendships. And so that's really stuck with me. I spent a lot of time and effort on trying to grow new friendships, especially because I'm living in a new place and I didn't know anybody when I moved here. And so when I talk to people, uh, whether it's like siblings or other friends or whatever, I kind of just sneak in a question like, hey, you know, um, how are things going, you know, with, uh, with your friendships or, or anything like that? It sounds kind of weird, but I, I always try to let them know like, Hey, you know, make time to, to spend time with your friends, to get out there and, and be out there and not just focus on work and, and, and your family. One thing that stuck out to me too, when you were talking, when you were telling us that was like, embrace them for who they are, not for like, who can I turn them into or whatever. Right. 
<laughs> but like embrace them, embrace them for who they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think most women know that that you, you can you can try to change the men, and you you have a lot of success. You, you will have a lot of success for changing your husband from you know boyfriend to husband. Yes, but changing somebody else, no, you're not gonna have that much luck. <laughs> <laughs> and your friendships will go better too if you embrace them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I have enjoyed you having, taking the time to be on our show with us. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you would like to touch on? No, this really touched on many different aspects of like my career, what I do for for OptiMonk, what I do personally, and then also what I believe in. So I just want to say thanks for having me on the show. I've really enjoyed it, Virginia. You're welcome. Where can we go to learn more about you and what you do? Yeah. Uh, so for personalization boot camps, to learn more about that, just go to optimunk.com forward slash boot camp. And also I'm on LinkedIn. If you want to connect with me, LinkedIn would probably be the best place. Eric Melkor, or just look for me on there on LinkedIn and we can connect. Well, thank you again. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your March is it well you, you didn't you said there wasn't really any season so I don't know if it's spring is that really a good thing to say <laughs> enjoy your warm like, weather <laughs> you're, you're hearing the birds chirping and singing like at 5 a.m it's crazy it's like spring over here already yeah so crazy that's fun well take care and continue to have fun and we will chat soon all right thanks Virginia Thank you so much for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe and leave some love through a review and I'll catch you on the next episode.